As a teenager, you were controlled and confined by what others demanded and expected of you. In your 20s, you were consumed by what others thought of you. In your 30s, you realized you were still conflicted by what you truly thought of yourself. But now, in your 40s and beyond, it's finally time to live fearlessly, fabulously, and fully you. Let's go. Hey sis, welcome to In the Middle with Myra, and I'm your host, Myra Rollins. Hey ladies, welcome back in the middle and this is Myra and this is week three and I am so appreciative. At every chance that I get to tell you thank you, I'm going to tell you thank you. Um, Thank you for signing up for the email list at MyraRollins.com. Thank you for telling your friends and um, inviting them to like the Facebook page. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The community is building and I'm just so appreciative and also, again, very validated that there is a need for this space because you are telling me in your comments and and just telling me by the fact, the sheer fact that this community is growing at a great rate. And I am so appreciative. So I hope that covered my basis of saying thank you for the week. And now I just want to talk about your week. What's been going on? Have you been, I don't know, eating less meat, trying to put some more vegetables in your diet? Have you found a new moisturizer that you ordered on Amazon? How your skin looking? Um, Taking your medications and your vitamins. Hope you are doing all the things to um, just do some good quality self-care during this time. But my week, (laughs) this past week has been one for the record books. If you don't already know, my husband was bit by a snake. Where'd I do that at? Like that, you do not know many people that have gotten bitten by a snake. I told him I was going to buy him a t-shirt. He said it was too too soon to be making jokes. So I kind of fell back a little bit. But you know, when your husband gets bit by a venomous snake and you are looking at his foot swelling before your very eyes, you start to realize, I love this man. Because sometimes you'll be wondering, especially when you're on quarantine and it's been some hard days and you have told yourself, I will take my chances being locked in the house with Hannibal Lecter before I continue to be <laughs> locked in the house with this dude. But all of a sudden, when the possibility of your husband leaving you is before your very eyes, you just change that tune to He's the only person I want to share my life with. Lord, please don't let him die. But he's okay. I'm okay. We are all doing good. So, but moving on to today's content, what we're talking about today is how to find joy and how to process and how to move on through the pain of losing your mother. And many of you might say, oh, this isn't my experience, so this podcast isn't for me. But how many of you know someone or friends with someone that have lost their mom? Do you know how to love them well and how to help them um, continue grieving, but also living and finding joy? Where do you fit in in that process? So three ladies um, we're talking to today have banded together in an organization called Daughters of... And um, 
They have come together through their shared and common experience of losing their mothers. And the Daughters of is an organization where the Sunday before Mother's Day, they put on this elaborate, beautiful, intentional brunch where they celebrate, commemorate, and most importantly, just gather in the same space to breathe the same air of people having the same experience that only they can share. And so I would like for the women of the Daughters of to introduce themselves to you. Perfect. Hi, my name is Alicia Nicole, and I lost my mother in January of 2015. I am, I'm a therapist. I have a private practice here in Dallas. I have a seven-year-old son named Isaiah, and so those are my two full-time jobs. Um, originally right? grew up in Kansas, but I've been in Texas for about 20 years now. Okay, so you are, I guess we accept you as an official Texan. Oh, yes, so. an official Texan. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> All right. Hey, Ebony, a quick introduction and tell us about your mom as well. Hi, my name is Ebony Smith and I'm in consulting, technology consulting to be more specific. I'm a business development manager and I have am born and raised, will breed and die a Texan. I'm very, <laughs> very, very uh, strong and loyal to my state. Um, yes, yes very, very much so. Um, I lost my mom in July of 2011, um, July 15th to be exact. My mom had a stroke um, in which I actually found her about four months before then. So um, that's about me and my mom and how I lost her. Okay, I appreciate you sharing that. And Tamara, um, definitely we would love to um, let the ladies know a little bit about you as well. My name is Tamara. I'm the daughter of Sandra. I'm originally from East Texas, Palestine, and I am a diehard Texan too, as Ebony is. I'm single and I'm an occupational therapist at the Dallas VA. And I lost my mom on May 29th, 2017. Um, It was very unexpected and sudden. She had an abdominal surgery and um, we had just transferred her to the rehab facility and um, I got the call that she was unresponsive. So, um, yes, that's that's how I lost my mom. Um, just want to go right into a question that will allow many of us who have not experienced this loss um, to, I don't want to say understand because I don't think that's the best word, but just to get a little bit of a grasp of what you all feel when you think about your mom and the loss itself. So if you could all use the most relevant analogy and finish this sentence for me, losing my mom is like, and so I'll start with Tamara this time. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with the, the experience that I had when it first happened. So losing my mom is like losing a part of me. I, I felt physically like a part of me was missing. So I would say losing my mom is like losing a, feeling like a part of me is missing. Mm, thank you. How about you, Ebony? Complete that analogy, your sentence. Losing my mom is like being in a very deep body of water. At one point, it is consuming you and overtaking you, and you're never feeling like you can get above the water. But then you have spurts where you're coming up for air and you start to feel the waves. And at some point, you begin to understand the waves and how they can be healing for you. Mm. Mm. 
Thank you for sharing. That was very enlightful. Thank you. And Alicia, how about you? I like that, Ebony. Um, I think losing my mom, it feels like an adult orphan. I know that Mm. it felt for me that my grounding, the the only thing that has Mm. been constant my entire life from second zero um, is my mother. So losing her, I felt like this, you know, not to diminish the experience of anyone who was adopted or who was orphaned, but as an adult to have that experience later in life, it was just interesting. So it feels very much alone, like an, like an, an orphan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. Ladies, those were all some like examples that again, that those of us who have an experience can really, really, I don't know, like almost transplant ourselves into that. So that provided some great clarity. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. Ebony, um, just a question for you. So I know that Tamara, you said that it was like a piece of you um, because you got the, of the relationship. Ebony, what would you say your mom was for you? And who, you know, if you had to complete the sentence of my mom was my. My mom was my bridge. Um, we come from very humble beginnings as a family. But my mom, uh, even my grandmother to this day, will tell you how my mom just broke through so many barriers and she always wanted so much more and so much better. She came from a house of 10 children. And so, and she was the head of those children. And even though she, for example, even though she couldn't go to college, she uh, ensured from every since I started kindergarten that I knew I was going to college and that I would make it there. And so even though it wasn't in her purview, it was something that she ensured. And that was in every area of my life. All right, Alicia, and I know for um, sometimes you, when you're talking to people, you want to find the words and you don't want to offend. And something as simple as what do you call it? And so Alicia, do you prefer when someone says your mom died or passed away or what phrase do you prefer? You know, I think personally, I like the phrase transitioned, but I understand that that's a phrase that kind of comes after some understanding and dealing with the grief itself. So I'm not offended or I don't mind when people say passed away or died. But I think the longer that you experience it, the more that you know it's more of a transition. So me personally, I tend to say transitioned Mm -hmm. um, just because that's what it is to me now that I have a better understanding of Mm -hmm. it. And so not only is it difficult to find the words to say when you're describing death or talking to a friend that's lost someone, you sometimes don't know what to do. And I think sometimes trying to do the right thing you do something dumb because you just are afraid of the silence or you don't want to just not be present so Tamara what was the most hurtful or frustrating or just ridiculous thing that someone did maybe trying to help but it had the opposite effect well I I sincerely believe in my heart that this person was trying to help but she said that I should be happy because this experience of, of losing my mom would draw me clo- would bring me closer to God. And um, that, that just was not the case at the time. And I do realize that God uses sufferings and experiences to draw him near. But at the time, I didn't feel like I needed to be drawn closer to him. I felt like I was pretty close and that I wasn't really sure if this experience was what was going to bring me closer. And in fact, it actually kind of made me feel a little distant at the time. So um, that was kind of hurtful to me. Right. I think that sometimes people feel that they have to, you know, make it make Mm. sense for you while you're still in the throes of trying to Mm. sift through it yourself. Absolutely. Mm. I think that's what the intent is. Mm. Yeah. 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 
All right. Okay. On the other side, we sometimes do good, do things right. And Tamara, that wasn't. No, it was not you. Thank goodness. Okay. Just checking. Just checking. Right. <laughs> so, on the flip side, friends and family sometimes um, do something that really does help. So, Alicia, um, for you, what was something that was said or done that was really helpful during that time of grieving? For me, and it came from Ebony, it was um, it was just this one statement about love deposits. And she said that my mother had made adequate love deposits in me that would last me the duration of my life. And it to this day, it's what strengthens me. Like when I feel really low or I feel like I'm not doing well because grief comes in spurts. I remember that I have love deposits in me. And that was from Ebony. She was one of the first people that kind of came and touched my heart and spoke to me because she she could understand. And I've never forgotten Mm -hmm. the statement. I did. I think I've heard her say that before, but I didn't know that um, that was like one of your more impactful things. Like I know there were a lot of moments, a lot of God moments when we went through your mom's transition. But um, wow, that's very touching. Mm-hmm. And it's just further confirmation. I think Alicia spoke to it earlier that there is a inner circle or a, um, for lack of a better term, a club that you all belong mm-hmm. to. That sometimes that you, you know, you and only you can speak that language or um, help them along in that way. So, mm-hmm. all right. So, um, grief, like you said, I heard you say Alicia comes in waves and it looks different for everyone. Um, Tamara, if you want to speak a little bit about your personal grieving process. Well, this, this question was really challenging for me because I'm like, I'm not really sure if I understand my process. Um, I did try counseling and I know the counseling works for some people, but, uh, the particular counsel that I had kept, uh, mispronouncing my name, but trying to relate to me. And I just, <laughs> I just did not enjoy that. And so I really felt that I received more help from my friends and actually the community of people who have experienced before this before. And then also something that happened for me is the daughters of, because Mara, you may not remember this, but you said I needed to put my grief to work because I'm a, I'm a worker. I have to be doing something. And so the process, and we'll talk about that more later, I think, but the process of organizing the daughters of is really what helped me throughout, um, especially that first year throughout this process. Right. So for you, it was um, actually getting busy, mm-hmm. not just with busy work, but actually doing something Purposeful. with the grief and mm-hmm. directly related to yes. the process. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay. All right. So just, you know, talking a little bit more about grief, Alicia. So I think we're doing good with this whole thing of analogy. So I'm going to, Hey, it's working. So we're going to keep rolling with it. So like, if you can use an analogy or just an explanation for what grief in general and more specifically to losing your mom is like. Yeah. Um, Meryl, I think it was Meryl Streep on an award ceremony a couple of years ago, maybe like in 2016 or 17. She said that losing someone is like being in a world full of people and still feeling alone. Oh, and yes. that has really mm-hmm. resonated with me. Cause that's what it feels like. You, mm-hmm. I have lovely friends and family and people around me, but it still feels very alone without her. Yes. So that particular loss is a little bit heavier, and it just it seems a little more significant. Mm-hmm. Ladies, you have done an excellent job, like expressing the magnitude and the depth of um, a loss of a mother. But what I want to do now is just to get some specific um, things that you've done along your journey 
that has moved you from those initial grieving stages. And so, Ebony, if you could lend some some encouragement or practical tip to someone experiencing the recent loss of their mom, what would you say? I would say, um, for me, counseling was extremely therapeutic. And even though um, people have different personalities, different characteristics, there are multiple ways to grieve. Um, But like I said, I went to um, group therapy. Literally, I buried my mom on a Friday and I was in group therapy on a Tuesday. I didn't say one word for six weeks. I just wanted to understand what I was about to go through. Um, And it was very helpful for me because I'm a planner. So I'm like, okay, if that's going to happen to me, this is what I need to do. Um, So that was helpful. But then after I finished, I think about 12 weeks of group therapy, I went to a personal um, counselor, grief counselor, and she was able to help me understand whether my grief was healthy or not. I think so many people feel like that if they're not sad all the time, or if they're too sad, or if someone tells them, hey, you've been grieving too long, or no one has had the relationship that you had with your mom. So I want to instill in people that every grief cycle is extremely different. And there is no playbook for this. It is literally waves of things that you have never experienced before, and that your old life will never be the same. You will have very different thoughts and very different outlooks on life. But at the end of the day, looking for advice from people that have gone through it, I think is so incredibly key because it, like we said before, it's really, really tough when you're getting input from someone who has not walked this because it is a life-changing experience. It's the person that you shared a womb with. I mean, like gave you life while you're in the womb. It's the person that was by your side through every major moment in your life. Um, for, for even for adoptive or even for ones that weren't good, quote unquote, good moms or involved moms, it's a very different process for every single person. So um, reaching out and understanding that the grief doesn't have a time frame and it doesn't have a limit is just a really big first understanding to the, to the whole process. So I have this question that I often ask my husband or my kids when they're having what I call a meltdown. (laughs) And yes, I just said that my husband can have meltdowns. Don't tell him I told you. But I often ask them, how can I best help you right now? Because what I don't want to do is jump in and try to answer and solve the problem when maybe my husband is just venting. Or with my kids, I'm trying to give them the power of their words and to be in touch with their own feelings. And so in a situation like this where your girlfriend has lost their mom, you want to do something, but sometimes you don't know what to do. And so I asked the ladies, when grieving the loss of your mom, how can a friend best help you? Uh, Some things that are helpful, being there and not asking what you can do, but figuring out can do. So if you're mm-hmm. over to your girlfriend's house and she just lost her mom and you see her dishes are dirty, just go wash them. Don't ask her mm-hmm. if, if you can wash them. Just go wash them. If her laundry needs to be done, just do the laundry. Because what she's probably about to experience is a lot of people coming over 
and maybe just organize her house, bring her some trash bags, bring some paper towels, some paper plates. Those are just very practical ways of you just being there. You don't have to say anything. I literally remember uh, my now pastor, but he was just um, my close brother, my spiritual brother. He literally came over. He did not say one word to me. He just held my hand and I cried with him for two and a half hours and he got up and he left. And that I still remember that moment. He didn't have to say a thing. He didn't have to look at anything. He just needed to be with me in that moment. And so, Alicia, we're specifically in the month of May, and we're speaking about Mother's Day. And oftentimes, not just Mother's Day, but Mother's birthdays and Christmases are very difficult. Um, So what would be some words of encouragement and then even um, more important, some practical tips that you would share with women who are having hard times around the holidays. Yeah, I think that um, finding ways to incorporate their memory into the holidays is what I had to kind of learn, you know, through trial and error. Because it's one thing when you grieve the holiday, you spend, you know, Christmas Day sad that these things aren't happening and this, you know, my mom is missing. So instead, I tried to transition that into how can I incorporate and weave her into it in a new way? So whereas in the mm-hmm. past, it would be her cooking and it'd be her actual physical presence. Now that she's not here, how can I incorporate her into that, especially for my son? making sure that her memory remains alive. And so I think for Mother's Day and all holidays, just finding ways to bring them in, whether that's cooking their favorite dish or playing their favorite music or doing something that reminds you of what they used to do to just kind of keep that going within your own tra- your own you know traditions and creating new ones. So for like example, every year for my mom's birthday and Mother's Day, we take a trip and my son knows this trip is in honor of grandma. So just things like that to keep them, their memory alive, I think are really important. And creating new norms. That's wonderful. Yeah, creating new norms instead mm-hmm. of getting bogged down with the sadness, you create happiness mm-hmm. with their memories. Absolutely. That's great. That's great. Um, Tamara and Ebony, um, do you each have something like that where you have carried on a tradition or created a new tradition in honor of your mom, Tamara? Well, I like Alicia said, and I think I learned this from Alicia and Ebony, um, but just trying to incorporate my mom in those, you know, holidays and activities. So Thanksgiving was always her um, favorite holiday, but I don't know how to cook her dressing. So I made sure that her dressing is there. But um, one thing I do is at Christmas, she used to always give us, uh, it used to be brown paper bags, but as you know, we got older, she would get cute little gift bags, but just a gift bag with an apple or orange, some nuts and some candy. I mean, she, they happen to them as children and she just continues to do that with us. And so I like to do that too, as a, you know, in memory of my mom is one thing that I do. Yeah. Yes, that was a benefactor <laughs> yeah, of, one of, those, of one of those bags yeah. this year. I appreciate mm-hmm. you, Sandra. So I will say you, for Ebony? the first six years, I, I laid in bed um, crying for my mom. And that was my grief process. And it was healthy. And it's what I needed to do those first six years. After that, I... Um, began to uh, go to Mikosina. That's my mom's favorite restaurant to get fajitas. And I would buy some yellow roses and um, just eat with those yellow roses. Um, My mom and me, that's, I did that one year for her for her birthday. And I guess the next occasion, I don't know if it was Thanksgiving or Christmas, I bought her, um, 
something else. And she was like, wait a minute, why, why are you changing up the fajitas and the roses? I, I'm good with that. <laughs> and so for literally for years, every year I bought her these fajitas and the roses and she acted like it was the surprise of the century, but it was just kind of her thing. She was like, don't change up what's good. Like, this is good. So that, that's, kind of, that's what I do is just get some Mikafina's fajitas and um, eat them in front of some yellow roses. Hmm. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. And, you know, I know you ought to be women of faith. And um, Tamara, how does your spiritual beliefs or your theology um, help you um, process the, the loss of your mom? I guess I'll ask Ebony that question. And then Tamara, if you wouldn't mind following up with just this question, I'll give you some time to think. Um, where do you believe your mom is right this second? So I'll let Ebony start with just how does your faith play a role in um, through your grieving process? I will say that my faith is the foundation of my grieving process. Um, I think before I saw God kind of as this Santa Claus and that if I acted good, I could get all of these great gifts from him. And that's why he loved me. Um, but when I found myself in such unbearable, unbearable pain, I had to be extremely honest with God. I had to yell at God. I had to tell him how bad of a decision I felt this was that he let the most important person in my life leave me. So I had to show him parts of me that I don't think I would have ever shown him if I wasn't in that much pain and to feel him in his presence and know that he was still loving on me and guiding me and protecting me and giving me the right resources. Um, I really went through a phase of, is this heaven place really real? Like I've been taught about it all my life. It's the basis of my faith. Um, but I needed to know my mom was in a safe place. I needed to know that just her body was in the ground and not her soul. I needed to understand. And he really helped me navigate to that place of peace that that's where truly she was, whether it was a dream that I had about my mom or whether it was a lady in the store that would ask me for my help and pull her glasses down uh, just the way that my mom did. And Ebony spoke to how her faith played a role. And I specifically asked Tamara, where do you believe your mom is right this second? My, my mom went from one life to the next life. So God promises us eternal life. You know, if you believe in him, you will have eternal life, eternal life, eternal life. Life is living. So my mom is not asleep. My mom is, you know, she's with God in heaven and she's living. Hey, ladies, I um, pray and trust that this conversation was beneficial to you and just want you to know that at the beginning of this conversation, we discussed analogies and the analogy that I think of when it comes to moms is they are, we are anchors and um, moms hold us securely to this world. And oftentimes I, I feel that when someone loses their mom, they just feel adrift. But I want to encourage you in the word in Hebrews 619, it tells us that we have an anchor for our soul and that anchor for our soul is Jesus Christ. So it is him that I pray to that during this time of the year 
that you feel his tangible love. But one way that you feel the love of Christ is that you um, reach out to others that will show you his love. So if you are interested in getting more information on the daughters of, you can reach them at the daughters of at gmail.com. And then beyond that, just make sure that you reach out to your friends and loved ones. And on the flip side, if you know a friend or a family member that does not have their mom, just assume that this is not the best time of year for them and make yourself available, whether it be with your presence, whether it be with a card or a text. And so ladies, as always, thanks for meeting us in the middle because you know, getting older with style and grace ain't easy, but somebody got to do it. Why not us? Why not you? And choose to make it a great day.